it doesn't matter what level your team is, whether it's house league, all-star, rep, competitive, academy. It really doesn't matter. What matters is when the players go out on the field, they need, need, need to have a plan. A simple plan, complex plan, whatever that is, it really doesn't matter. But what matters is that the team has a plan moving forward. Prepare for a soccer coaching revolution. Come with me on a journey to discover the latest methods, techniques, and tactics that will transform you into a more effective coach, player, or soccer parent. Whether you're a seasoned coach or a beginner, growth never stops. I'm Sagev Rabinovich, and this is Soccer Coaching Mastermind. Well, this week it's Champions League, and on Tuesday, because I'm recording this Wednesday morning, I was able to watch some games before I left for practice. And when I started, I was really interested in watching Barcelona. It's not a team that I usually watch a lot of. Um, but because I'm kind of going through their Barcelona course right now, I said, you know, uh, let's go. Let's see what's going on. Let's see the formation, uh, how uh, some of the former Manchester City players are playing. Uh, Lewandowski's on that team. I just really wanted to see how they structure things. And I got to be really honest, I was not very impressed. I just wasn't entertained. And what I mean by that is... When I watch Manchester City, there is a flow to the game that I understand. And when I watch Barcelona, it just wasn't the same. And that could be due to a couple of things. It could be due to the fact that, you know, I just don't watch them often. So I don't know what to look for. But I just I, I really didn't like the way that they played. Maybe they had an off game. Maybe, uh, you know, their starters. were. I, I don't know because I don't watch Barcelona that often. So what ended up happening was... I switched over to the Dortmund-Newcastle game. And that was interesting because I came back, watched the final score, and Barcelona lost to Shakhtar. So to me, uh, that kind of made sense at the end uh, that they lost. Now, I didn't watch the rest of the game, so I don't know what happened. I didn't. I don't know how Shakhtar scored. But when I watched Barca, it just didn't... Something wasn't right. I, I, I don't know. But anyway, I went over to the Dortmund-Newcastle uh, game. And that was really interesting to me because I watched uh, Newcastle against Arsenal and that was a really good game. So I really wanted to see how, uh, you know, a team that just beat one of the best teams in the world, Newcastle beating Arsenal, how they would do against a Dortmund team who I've never really watched. So obviously with uh, the whole uh, VAR review with uh, Newcastle against Arsenal, and for those that don't know what happened, uh, the Newcastle goal that they scored, there were like three different types of VR checks on that game. One, when the ball went out, um, which was proven that it didn't go out. Um, I think that's pretty conclusive based on, you know, all the evidence and stuff out there uh, with the rule being that the whole ball has to go out over the line. And then the push from the back, I thought, was pretty clear push on the back. Uh, so I don't know. But regardless, I really wanted to see how Dortmund and Newcastle played. And from the beginning, what I noticed about Dortmund that I love, love, loved was just the physicality of, of how they played. 
it just seemed like whenever Newcastle had the ball, they weren't able to really get good possession. And that was just because of the type of press that Dortmund was doing. And everything was, whenever Newcastle had the ball, there seemed to be four or five Dortmund players right there with a high level of pressure. Now, what you see a lot with possession-based teams is that their opponents kind of let them play. And you see this a lot with Manchester City. When they're playing teams, most of the time the team is sitting back and they just kind of let City play. And those are really the games that I watch most of because, like I said last week, City's one of my favorite teams. So whenever I watch games, it's usually them. So very rarely do I see a team pressing the way that Dortmund played. And to me, again, it made complete sense. You know, when you're dominating the game, uh, both from, well, to be honest, more of a defensive domination where you're just not giving the other team time or space to do what they want, it makes sense that you're going to win. You're going to cause turnovers and you're just going to end up playing really well. So for me, this Dortmund type of play was something really interesting and something that I always love to see. So uh, really great with that. I couldn't watch the City game. That was later on. And by that time, I had left for my session. But just a really interesting, uh, you know, Barcelona, Shakhtar, Newcastle, Dortmund uh, day. Now, we had four games this weekend. And we just we really didn't play well in most of those games. And again, when you look at kind of Barcelona in that game, it really draws, I draw a lot of parallels. You know, I have a specific way that I want my academy teams to play. We want to keep possession. We want to go 1v1. We want to play kind of that Dortmund type of defense as well, where we're high pressure and just frustrating the opponent to make mistakes. Exactly kind of the way that Dortmund played the game. So for us... When I don't see things with one team, I can understand that. But when I don't see things for three straight games, there has to be a change. And what was great was that, you know, our 2015s played, uh, then our 2012s played, then our 2011s played, and then I had an hour break. And in that hour, I reflected and I kind of went, okay, you know, it's just not, it's not going right. Um, and then the 2020, the 2010s had a game and I kind of made that decision. I said, we're going to just switch it up. We're going to change our tactics. Sorry. We're going to change our formation and see how that goes. Right. And we did, and we played a team that firstly won, went undefeated last year. Um, and throughout the summer as well, they've pretty much kind of been undefeated for the past two years. So, uh, we played against them. And we did really well. Now, we didn't win, but it was a very competitive game. We've made some mistakes um, with some of our newer players that ended up in goals, but we changed everything. And because of that, we were really strong. So this week, we kind of went through every single team and we changed the formation to match that up so that it really justifies the possession game that we want. 
when we don't have it, just pressing hard and making sure that every player understands their role. And that brings me to today's topic. And today's topic is really the importance of having a plan going into a game. It doesn't matter what you do in life, right? For me, in business, right, because my life is pretty much business, soccer, that's it. I have my soccer academy and then I do soccer in the soccer academy. So for me, those are really the huge things that are in my life. And for both of those things, if I don't have a plan, I'm done, right? If you don't have a plan in business and you're just kind of going with it, that's not going to work. And it's the same thing with soccer. And one of the things that I've heard Pep talk about a lot is chess. Chess uh, is a game that Pep Guardiola really loves. And there are so many similarities between chess and soccer from a coaching point of view. If you go into chess, into a chess match, and you kind of just say, okay, uh, we'll just play. I'm just going to react and, you know, let's just go have fun. That's a way to play. But if you want to win and you want to do well in a game of chess, you got to come in with a plan. You got to understand some of the methodologies, methodologies, tactics, openings, you know, you really need to come up with a plan to play the game. And it's the same thing with the game of soccer. Now, when you're coaching house league, academy, it really doesn't matter the level of play. What matters is that the players know what to do when they go out there. And I'll give you a perfect example. Let's say you're a house league coach, uh, right? And, you know, kids going out have fun. They don't have practice. They just play once a week. That's fine. But the plan can be, you know, can we try and do a move? Can we try to do a drag every time we get the ball? And whoever does the most drags, you know, that's really what we're looking for, right? Every single time a player does a move, you know, we give them a check mark, right? And maybe before the session starts, we just kind of go over the drag and, and have them do it. So in its simplest form, a plan can be applied to anything, right? So the players know when they step on that field, we must do a drag, right? So the way that you play, it doesn't matter what level you are, if it's that house league program or even the highest level, right? Where now we're talking about specifically how do we press? How do we build out of the back? right? What formation are we playing? What are we looking for? What's our first option? What's our second option? What's our third option? It doesn't matter, but there should always be a plan when you're going into the game. And what's great is that the game itself will tell you if your plan is working. If you lose once in a while, fair. If you lose a little bit more often, you know, you should probably look to change stuff. And if you're continuously losing three, four times, then something's just not working and you got to change it up. Now, when I opened the academy, I had that philosophy of whenever you get it, you must do a move. Simple as that. And we didn't win for three years until it just kind of dawned on me. It's not working and we have to change it up. And instead of just going of that approach of just doing a move, we started incorporating uh, the rondos. And that really made a huge difference. So since then, the plan has gotten a little bit more complex. And what's really interesting 
if you look at teams like Manchester City and especially Pep Guardiola, is that he consistently is winning, right? He won last year, I think the year before as well. He he he's continuously winning. But what's interesting is that every year he changes the plan. So even for teams that are at the highest level are winning the most, Pep Guardiola and Manchester City every year are doing something different. So for me, even if I'm winning, I still have to change my plan. I still have to say, okay, well, it it's not good enough yet, right? And it's that obsession about going out to be perfect that really, really creates an unshakable club or academy or team. So the question is, how do we start, right? If I want to have this giant plan and I want to go in and I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to be amazing and all that, I need to come up with a way that works that I can always come back to. So let's put, let's create a a situation where a brand new coach just got a team. They've never worked with them. Okay. And they want to come up with a plan. How do they start? Well, the first thing that they have to come up with is an identity, an identity for your team. How do you want them to play? Right? So I would do this before I would even meet the players. I would come in and I would say, okay, I want my team to be possession-based. I want to be high press, right? Um, Or you know what? Let's make it even more simple. I want my teams to uh, play long balls, right? So I want to, you know, play a long ball. Um, I want to high press. Uh, I want to really work on the ability to win the ball in the opponent's third, right? And really work hard on that whole counterattacking part, right? So they would go in with that identity. Now, within that first week or two, they would start to get to know the players, right? Strengths and weaknesses. And every single time, right, when you play a game, you have to go back and see if those strengths and weaknesses align with the identity of your team. So, for example, right, we want to play this long ball type of, you know, old school U.S. soccer uh, that we used to play (laughs) in high school. So if I go in and there's no strong, big, fast kids, I'm going to look at that and I'm going to say, well, okay, uh, that doesn't really work with the way that I want to play. So instead of having these long balls, I now have to shift and change it. And that's really what happened to us this past weekend, right? The identity that we wanted wasn't shining through because of the strengths and weaknesses that our teams have. And for us, the biggest issue now is goalkeeping, right? So if I think about all of our teams, the only goalkeeper who I've had for two to three years is in that 2014 team. And that was the team that has consistently stood out. So because of that... We have a brand kind of new group of players because every year it changes. I had to look at my strengths and weaknesses and change the way that we play so that it matches the identity. Now, what's great about us and kind of the way that I frame the academy is that 
in order to play on our academy teams, you must fit that identity. So I don't get players who don't match the identity. We bring them in and then we train them to match the identity. So I want players that have really good uh, awareness, uh, able to move off the ball, 1v1, are fantastic, uh, able to pass and receive, right? So these are things that we work on in training. And once they get good enough and to that level, then they come in and play on our academy. So I know going in, that's the minimum standard of where our players are, right? So for that coach who goes into that team, you know, he can go in and say, okay, well, we don't have a big, strong, fast player, right? And because of that, maybe he goes out and he tries to recruit that player, right? To try and match that identity. But until then, he's got to change it up. He can't just have that same identity because it's not working. So after you've established an identity, and now we can change it to, you know, my identity, because I think that's a little bit more realistic. Um, and that's just kind of, I like to play better that way. So that identity is I want to keep possession of the ball. When we get to the final third, or even the opponent's half, I want my wingers to be really, really good at 1v1s. Okay, so they're able to really break the final line of the team with 1v1s. On top of that, I want to be able to win the ball uh, as close as possible to the opponent's half, which is kind of how Liverpool press, right? So I really want that type of press that is really effective, right? Effective is the word, right? Because it's not just about running after the ball. I want to create a very high press, right? So... These are all things that are now my identity. And I've established a way to make sure that those are all the strengths of my players. So Rondos, we work on cutting passing lanes. So I can use those keywords in the game. We work on 1v1s religiously. Every single practice, 1v1s. So I know I have those types of players. Possession, again, going into 2v2s. And being able to keep the ball under pressure and rondos as well. Understanding that when we have more players than them, numerical superiority, that's when we can really keep possession of that ball. So once I have those two things and they're aligned with each other, then we can start looking at the formation. And again, going back every single time to seeing, does the formation match the identity of the team? And for us, it didn't because what we ended up finding was that, yes, our 1v1s were working. Every single, every single game, consistently, we would see success with our 1v1s. Our 2013s, even our 2011s, even our 2012s, we would see fantastic deceptive dribbling moves, even with our 2015s as well, especially with our 2015s. But we weren't really keeping possession. And in the games that we were keeping possession, then there were moments where we just really couldn't find that 1v1 in the right situation. So we would do 1v1s in our half and then eventually lose it. Whereas we want to have our 1v1s in the final third. So I created a formation that does that. So now, hopefully, and this is the plan that we're going in with, we've created the identity, strengths and weaknesses, and then uh, in the games, that wasn't working. So we changed it 
because the identity is something that I don't want to change. I don't want to change the strengths and weaknesses of my player. So the next step is that formation spot. And the formation spot is right now where we are in that plan, right? We've had a different formation, which is part of identity, strengths and weaknesses, and then formation. And then now that didn't work. And because we don't want to change those two first parts, then we strictly start with that formation piece and changing that. Now, what's really great is when you have these three different things, then you can really start to look at the micro aspects of the game. So right now, I would say this one, two, three identity strengths and weaknesses and formations are all really to create this macro ideology of how you're going to play. But now, since you have that done, you can start to dissect parts of the game and really create something in a micro scale. So what do I mean by that? Well, if we talk about building out of the back, we now have an identity, right? So we know that in the back, we don't want to do 1v1s, right? Because we want our 1v1s done in the final third. We know we are a possession-based team, okay? And we know that we really want to press really high. So we don't want to be here that long. So it's not that we're going to be playing out of the back and holding the ball in the back for a very long time. We want to get up there very quickly. So we need a formation that matches that, right? So if I look at my building out of the back, does that get me to that situation as fast as I can, right? And then we can also think about pressing. Okay, so now we know how we want to press. We don't just want to run wildly. We know that we need a specific system that matches the fact that, again, in the final third, we're okay with 1v1s. So I don't mind if my players are in that situation and that changes the way that we're going to press. On top of that, I want to win the ball as close to their goalkeeper as possible. So that changes the way that we press versus a team that is really happy, you know, getting on that counter, right? Because if you're getting on the counter, you want to have space behind that final uh that final line of defenders so it really depends but once you have that identity you understand the strengths and weaknesses and you have that formation you can really create a much better micro system within the macro system and to me that's how to create a really effective plan for your team so how do you know when it's not working well Lucky for us, we live in an age where you have so much information available to you. And it's just really up to you if you want to use it, right? Obviously, you know, one way is to look at your wins and losses, right? But I don't think that that's an indicator of when things are working and when things aren't working. Because again, just like with Manchester City, things are working. But it's still not good enough for Pep, right? So I don't think wins and losses are necessarily the best gauge, especially when you're winning. But obviously, if you're losing all the time, then it's time to change things, right? Because things just aren't working. The other way that you can really use to do that is recording your games, right? So we use VO, and if you want... Vio, who's absolutely fantastic. Uh, there's a link under the show notes that will get you, I think, $200 off. But 
for us, what I love about VO is it gives us these stats now. So we have possession. I know how much possession percentage we have in the game. I know how many passes we've made. I know how many shots we've taken. I know all these things. I have all these stats and I can use these stats to really figure out if the ability of what I want to come across is really coming across, right? So when we're watching the 2011s and we're playing a team who I feel we should beat, we end up getting destroyed by them. Our possession is lower than them. Our, uh, our effectiveness in the final third is nothing, right? It's just, it's not working. And at that point, when you keep going back to your identity, your strengths and weaknesses, and your formation, then you realize it's not working. And we can analyze the micro aspects of it too, right? If we're not scoring a lot of goals, that could be, you know, a result of two things. One, a press that's not effective, right? Two, uh, our 1v1s, we're not getting our 1v1s there or our 1v1s are not good, right? So these are things that we can start to look at. And if we're getting a lot of goals scored on us, right? That's a completely different type of thing than scoring goals. So these are things that you can look at with the information that you have. Now, in my opinion, it's very hard to do that when you're watching the game live. You have to go back because you're so emotionally involved in the game and be able to step back. And the only way to really do that is to record the game. So I'm in favor a lot of recording the games. Now, there are times when you don't even need to record the game to know that you need to change things again. If you're losing three, four games in a row, you don't need to record. Guess what? Something needs to change. And it's at a point where you have to figure out what that is. And again, starting it with the identity and then going to the strengths and weaknesses, right? Do they even match with your players? If not, then something's got to change. Either you teach them what you need them to learn so that your identity works or you change the identity. But if you keep those three things in mind consistently, then it'll be very easy. You can start by saying, okay, what's my identity? All right, good. Now, let's look at the strengths and weaknesses. Do they match? Well, they players aren't really at the level for you know receiving and passing. Okay, so, so maybe we don't try and keep possession in the back, right? Or, you know, I really want to do 1v1s, but my players don't know any deceptive dribbling moves, right? So... Th- so the ability here is not matching the identity. And because of that, you have two options. You can just change it or you can change it and work on what it is that you want, right? So if you still want to do that possession, that's fine. But keep working on it in training until it matches your ideal identity. And until it matches your ideal identity, your identity on the field has to be different until the player's strengths and weaknesses really match what it is that you want, right? And then from there, you can see, okay, well, now the strengths and weaknesses, they match the identity. Now, are we actually in a position on the field to do that, right? And if not, we have to change our formation. So as long as you keep these three things aligned, then I think you're going to be good. And I think at least you'll be on a really good start to creating a plan for your team. Thanks for listening to another episode of Soccer Coaching Mastermind. Next week, I'll be back talking about a new topic along with reviewing some of the games and hopefully I can still 
continue to talk about the EPL because I really love doing that. And whenever I get a chance and I don't have that many games on Saturday, I'll definitely watch and I'll update you with uh, some of the games that I watch that weekend as well. So I think that'll be a really cool new way to uh, bring in the professional soccer part into the show. So hopefully you'll enjoy that. Uh, This is a new show. And I'd really love to ask if you could please uh, support it um, by hitting that subscribe button. It really helps the show and you become a really big part of the community and what we do. This way you'll also never miss an episode and uh, we can just continue to explore the world of soccer together. Lastly, because again, this is a brand new show, uh, if you could leave a five-star review, that would mean the world to me. Uh, It's not just about the ratings. It's about making a difference. I really want to reach so many coaches out there. And if you can tell a coach, give us a five-star review, hit that subscribe button. If you can do one of those three things today, uh, it just grows the show and makes the community that much stronger. Uh, For those that are new to kind of my podcast, um, I still have that Facebook group of coaches. soccer coaching weekly so if you want to join that uh just a lot of free content lots of coaches talking and uh sharing videos and things like that it's a really great community that we've been able to create here so uh thank you so much for coming on this new journey with me it really means a lot i'm really investing a lot of time into this new show Uh, as you can probably hear i bought a new mic so uh, lots of great things coming up that i can promise you Uh, So until next week, enjoy the journey, enjoy the moments, but most importantly, enjoy the game.